unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. A lot has changed since the last time Adam was on with us. Um, we were just right before we came on talking about the retail Twitter community and how awesome it is. I know quite a few of you folks have read the book. Uh, you love the book. The book is great. You see here on the screen, you see his different social media. Um, also, there's a link to his book permanently in the description of every Retail Warzone podcast. So that's there. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to turn it over him for just a minute and let him kind of <clears throat> give the Cliff Notes version of what he's done and about the book. And then we're going to go from there and have a good time. So you good with that, Adam? Sure. All right, man. Have at it, bro. Well, yeah, so in 2019, I, uh, I was pretty miserable in my corporate life, and I decided to quit. Uh, my job, cash out my 401k like a dumbass and like take the rest of the year off from about August till the end of the year um, to work on a different novel, not the one that I ended up writing. But so in January of 2020, I started, um, started working in a grocery store to basically uh, just uh, kill time kind of like and do something that I knew was really exhausting. It is, at least I didn't think of it as being mentally exhausting at first um, and do do that while I work on the uh, editing and getting a good draft going of the first novel but uh, yeah then what? I started in late January of 2020 and you know by March shit hit the fan schools were closed um, I started uh, blogging about all the things I was going through like the kind of weird shit that we all dealt with or deal with um, in, the, in the at the beginning of the pandemic in a grocery store, and the the blog grew. It grew and grew and grew. Um, became like a community. People were sharing with me a lot of like pictures of their loved ones that were working in grocery stores. Everyone was very worried, um, and yeah, I, I started like it grew to I don't know like fifteen thousand Facebook followers. And I took a lot of the stories that I was talking about or like that I'd heard from other like coworkers that, um, and I turned that all into a narrative that follows Daniel on the first week in a grocery store, um, in a high end grocery store as the pandemic hits. And yeah, that's kind of, I mean, that's the impetus of how it all got started. But, uh, it's, Daniel is me. A lot of a lot of that stuff's very much me, and uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey so far. Nice. Well, already, not to interrupt you, but already in the comments, Luke of the Wind says, "Can I also say you are amazing for writing this book?" Sure, it kind of triggered with a few things, but it was an amazing book—a book that needed to be done. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I, I need sanity. Like, I really like. It was so there at the beginning of the pandemic, and to have so many people going through the same thing, and having that outlet of writing, it it's, it saved me from just I don't know spiraling out and drinking or some shit like that. Gotcha. Uh, 
One yeah. thing I'm going to throw up real quick, though, is I did pre- prepare this. I, I've got a little um, screen capture of some reviews. So here we go. Um, Alicia, love the book. Five stars. I initially discovered this author on Facebook a short ways into the pandemic. He had started a customer-facing job at a grocery store days before COVID made landfall in his state. It was quickly captivated by his writing style, introspection, and compassion in describing the personalities that came to the surface as people tried to cope with new realities. When he announced he would be turning these thoughts into a novel, I couldn't wait to get my greedy hands on it. When it arrived, I thought I'd just take a glance. I have a hard time focusing long enough to read more than a couple of pages at a time. I was on page 40 before I knew it. Highly recommended read for anyone even remotely considering this purchase. Another one, fantastic read. Uh, This is from Luke Hipsher. Five stars. The writer did an excellent job of putting the read in the mindset of what it is like to be an essential employee during a global pandemic. Really enjoyed it. Christine, five stars. Great book. Great book I work in a supermarket for over 30 years. Never in my career have I experienced what I have in the past year. This book sums up the past year very accurately. I couldn't put it down. It was great to read the pandemic from another retail worker's point of view. Then we got Jeffrey Greer, very engaging, great book, five stars. I just got this today and it is great. I wasn't planning on reading it straight away, but it grabbed my attention. The pandemic has hit everyone, but in different ways. It's fascinating to read such an in-depth look at what it has been like for this author. Most of it has been on the other side of grocery line, and this helps bring it full circle. Pick it up if you want a good read. Highly recommend. Shameless plug, the next one, this was actually mine. Uh, fantastic and a must-read. If you are a current or former retail-slash-grocery employee, this book is essential reading. As you progress through the story, you will find yourself feeling as if someone has written your autobiography for you and in essence this author has the reference to interactions between customers and employees in the book will resonate with you on a personal level that you may have never experienced before the writing is superb and does an excellent job in describing things we have experienced in the business in excellent detail adam has not only told a story close to him but our stories as well in the future this should be required reading for all employees in the retail slash grocery industry as a primer to what you can expect working on the grocery line And then the last one is captivating and exciting, a very captivating and relatable novel based on current events. I was drawn in immediately and found myself completely submersed in the plot and experiences of the main character. Even when I was ready to put the book down, I found myself wanting to read more. Pick this one up. And, you know, Adam, I'm going to say it again. And I've said this to people on Twitter. You did something that was extremely phenomenal to all of us that work in the business because we all, when we read it, we can hear the own personal voices of people we've dealt with in every one of these situations. It's crazy. I mean, I, and I'm not an avid reader by no means. I've read stuff. I mean, I read like weird books like The Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six and shit like that and whatnot. But reading this and having worked in the business for so long, I mean, it struck a chord. I mean, it, it was legit. It was like, holy shit, I can hear this stuff. Um, and real good, uh, Real quick, going through the chat, see if we missed anything. Um, Hero, this is a very good book. Highly recommend. Jeff Brister, good evening, gents. Good to see you again, sir. Blame tag. It'll be good to have books like this for the after times where people start to forget. This will be a piece to let people know what it's really like, and that's important. That's a great comment. Um, Luke of the Wind says, I recommend it to my retail friends. 
And Hero says, and this is something we've talked about numerous times, the customers have already forgotten. So, uh, Irish, do you have anything to add real quick? Uh, well, I'd like to know uh, from Adam, uh, the feedback that you got from people that never worked in retail, what, what sort of feedback was that? Were they even interested in the book? Did they Were they dismissive? Did they find it, you know, eye-opening? Um, I hopefully the, the thing that I hear most, it's like, do people really treat you like that? And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, I wrote it in, it's, it's fiction. So I exaggerate it to a certain point, like the, like elements of it. But I, I mean, yeah, the, it's definitely how people treat, uh, grocery store employees, really retail or service industry folks in general. Um, yeah, it was definitely like usually a good eye opening. It's like, and also we need, we need more of that. Oh yes, yeah, we do. I, that's that would be me if somehow you know, like it changed just or it just planted a seed in someone's head that you know maybe just treat someone else that with empathy or just being like a normal human being, like they're not a second class citizen. Which I it didn't happen all the time. A lot to people that work in the like grocery store industry. Right. All right. So question, uh, Russell asked, would you have written this book if COVID never came about? No. Uh, the The book I had already, like, was working on is actually, like, it has, it has Daniel as the main character, but it's a whole, wholly different idea that I had working through. And it, it might come to fruition down the line. I feel like Daniel's character is going to progress. Um, I'm writing the second book now. Um, yes, and like the it, it, the one that I was writing before would almost be like a third or a fourth, but like maybe like Brett Easton Ellis, where I don't know if you've ever read him. He has return characters, but it's not the it's like in the same world, it's the same universe, the same time, from the same timeline. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but like, not a continuation of the same story per se. So. Right. Uh, Squid Puppy says, I don't work in retail, and I was intrigued to read about someone else's experience. I, th- I think that's a valid point, too. The people that, like Iris said, you know, you pick up the book, you've never worked in that kind of business before, and to get a really a firsthand glimpse of what it was like, because I'm, I'm telling you, we and we've talked about this, you know, the last time you were on before the show and whatnot, you know, you a you had the work experience you know okay and you were mm-hmm. able to take all these things and develop them into something that i think in the annals of history i'm telling you i know it's slow burn like everything we all do it's slow burn with the book but eventually your book is going to become a part of history and if it doesn't i'm going to burn something down because <laughs> it it really is i mean it, it's it was, and Hero is my wife, and Hero will tell you, I don't read books. I, I, I don't, all right? It's just not something that's really, I, yeah, I've written and stuff like that, but that's that's all different. But what you did was amazing because, you know, you know, it's an easy read. It's not, how many pages is it, Adam? Like 180? Yeah, 180. So it's, you seriously can sit down in the day and finish this book. Mm-hmm. And, but what you get in that small encapsulated period of time is amazing. I mean, and 
anybody that works in the business and, and it translates all the way across every industry, whether it's, you know, retail, grocery service industry or whatnot, we've all heard that stuff. And, and I cannot, and anybody that I've ever talked to about the podcast, you know, having you on in the book, I'm like, you need to go get this damn thing because it's essential reading. It's going to become a historical document at some point. So, and I'm proud to say, I know you, and I'm proud to say we had you on because one thing will be like, you know, as my youngest says back in my day, you know, I'll be like, I knew that dude. I read the book. It's awesome. And you know, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the, it's one of the first, Steve, too, because uh, I have tried extensively in the past to go down the kind of academic route, look, looking at research into uh, the effects of uh, workers working in retail. There's nothing, and I've looked. Uh, you know, there's very very little coverage uh, of this from uh, any like, mainstream studies, or it's only now it's beginning to become apparent that oh, we've missed something very very big: mental health and retail. And I think that. To my knowledge, your book is the only one I know of that has that at its core. So congrats. You think you're the first. Yes. Um, comments. Joey K says, that supports my theory that once COVID is gone, it will have inadvertently caused a bunch of societal reform movements. True. Blame tag. It, this is great. He goes, shit, I should have gotten the physical version to gift to a Karen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh SRFC1234, I have not read the book, but it'd be nice if someone came to you to turn your book into a movie. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Hero responded to Blame Tag. It's not too late. Uh, Retail Queen, do you think that people that don't work in retail that read this book will see themselves in it and change their attitude and behaviors? The floor is yours, Adam. That's a great question. That is a good question. Um, I mean, that's the hope, but like, I don't know, we so quickly and people have such short attention spans that like everything, everything became so political so quick that like, um, that people don't like to be introspective and that's, I mean, it's hard to be in it, to like, you know, be critical and think that you did something wrong or your behavior is not up to snuff and if no one is telling you that like no one's willing to like call you out then um yeah it's, it's you're, you're probably not gonna change at all and right. i would i would hope that people do i i i mean even like from the beginning of the pandemic i feel like it still feels like a fever dream like moving all the way through it that you really have, you maybe have to get a little ways out to know. And that's right. That comes with the historical fiction idea or aspect of the book where, you know, maybe a few years down the line, um, it hits a, a, some momentum. I mean, I hope it does it a whole lot earlier than that. So I don't have to do the shit that I'm doing right now. But, <laughs> right. Um, like the, it, it gets on later and people look back on like, man, look at how much society changed. Justin, like he went from zero to a hundred really, really quick. Yeah. And then you look back on it and you read the book and I hope it will. I really do. But I, I don't know. I, I can't answer on that. I, I do too. I mean, I, I, th I think this is an important 
you know, we sit here and we do this and whatnot. I don't think any of us really understand the the true importance of what you did. And and it sucks for you. I mean, and I get it and I understand. It may be something that you continue to do what you do and whatnot. And it's kind of like cult films, I guess, in a way, <clears throat> where, you know, a movie gets released and it doesn't do great at the box office, but many years later, it becomes this booming you know, uh, juggernaut because they say cult following, which is kind of weird. It's basically people who found it late and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I do believe that, you know, uh, Katie here says library of Congress, let's go. Yes. It should be in the library of Congress. It is. And, oh, is it? Yeah. You book to it. So it's, it's in the library of Congress. It, it needs to be. It needs to be on the permanent record, and you know it, it's it's a shame that to me that it hasn't exploded yet, but I think it will, and and you know you've got a lot of things going on that you've talked about, you know you know coming up or whatnot, that mm-hmm. you know it, it's a slow burn because just like what we do here, your book is also very niche. And like you said, relying on the PR, you know, to get people to understand what it is and, and get it out there. That's the hardest part, you know, to get people in. But I feel like everybody I've talked to that's got a hold of it, they're in. It's just getting it to those people. And yeah. I, I think one day you're going to wake up, you know, one day and like hit your email and all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, holy shit, it finally did it, you know, and it's going to be yeah. awesome. And uh, so that's great. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Iron Maiden says, I know what my family members are getting for Christmas. So there you go. There's some more sales. Um, Squid Puppy says, I've been following the experiences of people forced to interact with customers this past year or so. And naturally, that makes me more mindful as a customer. I'm also married to someone in retail and the daily stories are hard to ignore or dismiss. Correct. Um, let's see. Retail Queen says, you just need to get people to read it. Well, uh, he, the, oh, can I? Um, yeah, go ahead. The, the thing is, is getting someone to buy something is always, it's a whole different element. Like for someone to give your money to them. Right. Um, is, or give their money to you is like, it's challenging, especially when I think like the, what you said earlier, like, I think it was Irish Connection that said that was the um, it's a little bit triggering, or something yes. said that earlier. The um, yeah, it's it's fresh. It's really really fucking fresh. If you're if you're still working through it, like I I do customer service, but now I sit at home on the computer, and I'm like, dude, it's it's drastically different. So right. if you're living through it right now, still where like you know now like all of a sudden it picks back up and you have to wear masks and there's all these things, but now we're back to a normal speed too, where like no one gives a shit. Then yes, <laughs> like it, uh, it's, it might remind you of the hard parts, but I like, for me, that's kind of comforting, I guess. Right. So let me ask you about the sequel. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. So is there any part of the sequel that you can reveal that, kind of tackles the concept that in 2020 
you were heroes and essential. And in 2021, everybody forgot. Well, uh, not far in it yet. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'm still like, it's so it's different than, you know, how I'm assembling this novel is different than the first one. Obviously, right. I was like living the first one and I had all the source material kind of, um, you know, already like written at least the, the chunks. Right now, I'm like, I would say that I'm constructing a little detailed outline and trying to like write characters in. Um, and then we expand on the other characters, but no, that's that's definitely like a good topic to to incorporate in there in the conversations. I start off the book with it's a year. It's been a year in the grocery store, and he's had Daniel's had his year review, and he's having a conversation with his his boss about um, his performance and you know, what it was like. And, you know, in the end he gets a 60 cent raise and <laughs> wow, <laughs> like, you know, no one gives a shit and he has to, I don't want to give away too much. Well, like actually I'll say he, at the end of that conversation, he puts in his two week notice. Now I don't know if I actually going to keep that, but um, I wanted to, I figured that'd be a good way to reflect back on the year at hand, if yep. he's got a, if he's got you know a set time of two weeks to, I don't know, do it. Does he actually want to quit? Will he quit? Um, like what this all meant to him, and what these people mean to him, um, the ones that he like, you know, suffered through a year, worked through a year of really like un, uncertainty in his right. life. So. We'll, gotcha. we'll see how it goes, but that's pretty much all I got so far. Like it's stuff that I can really like relate to you. Well, I'm anxious. I'm I'm, I'm ready for the sequel. Uh, the first one was good. So bring the sequel. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> from from the chat, Iron Maiden says, uh, "Spread the good word, my friends." Joey K says, "Watch this book blow up and Karen to start protesting it. Protesting it as hate facts. Are you prepared to have your book on a pile of wood getting burned? I would I would think that'd be cool, honestly." <laughs> Hey, if they're paying for it. Yeah, yep. if they paid for it. I, I feel like that's one of the worst crimes, though, is book burning. Uh, I agree. I would, I would hate those people. Like, any book, it doesn't fucking matter what it is. Like, right. Like, Mein Kampf, you're still, that's information that's, like, how we communicate. It's a, it's all we have. Like, right. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, I'd love it if they started, because... Dude, any good any publicity is good publicity. Amen, amen. Blame tag says I thought it was triggering as well. Oh my god, the shit about they don't care that you're a hero; they just want you to know they said it or something like that. That hit me hard. <laughs> yeah, the the disingenuine nature of telling people they're heroes, but then in the same breath, like, um treating them in, without much respect. Uh, that's, yeah. Like, that was, I don't know, that's one of the worst things. I, I've done a lot, quite a few interviews since um, I've been on this podcast, and yeah. I get that a lot. You know, like, a lot of questions about, well, did you hate the hero, or what did you feel about the hero thing? And, uh, like, what would you, what would be a, a better alternative and to me, I don't think there was an alternative. I just want people to be 
like treat others with respect with a general modicum of you know we're we're equals like right um, you're people yeah like you in, in society's rankings or whatever like the amount of money you make yeah it's different but like when i talk about in the book with the brain surgeon um i he was always so interested in what i what i had going on he's a fucking brain surgeon man like he like being around in people's skulls and saving their life and I just, you know, put words together in a grocery store and just, I don't know, shoot the shit with people. Yeah. And it, I found that so doesn't like warmed my heart. It's enlightening. Like most more people should act like that. Yeah. Um, the brain, the brain surgeon story was great. That whole patchwork thing that, that was, that was amazing. And that was very well written. And, you know, it's interesting because I know you do like a lot of these radio shows and stuff like that. And it's got to be, I would think for you, it's got to be a little bit kind of weird because, I mean, you worked in the business and you know the business. And it's different, and I, at least I would think so. It's different than like me and saying Irish and, and Alex and anybody else in the chat here talking to you because we've all worked the business. How How hard have you found it? talking to people that have no clue um I, I think so far everyone's been really really nice and they're they're extremely interested so if like maybe i am getting maybe just getting out and talking to people and doing you know 20 minute segments on am radio at six in the morning like i did um yep i listened to that it was great <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny like if um but it, it it definitely maybe maybe that is like changing hearts and minds maybe that like makes you know someone's listening they might not buy the book but they 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 understand more by just like me chatting about it and um yeah like the What was the question again? Sorry, I lost the thought. Oh, well, well, just just saying that you know, like us here, like you know, on the show or on, we all work the business and we get it. You know, how how difficult or have you found any kind of like pushback or confusion? I guess from people that's never been where we've been talking to you about this thing. You know, not so far. Everyone's been really nice and. I mean, the more people that show interest, general interest, I think that'll go a long ways. I so far I haven't. I've had um, like six or seven interviews. Right. Everyone's been real nice. Um, most of them aren't about like the. They don't ask me about the hero stuff as much. Um, it's more. It can be kind of more informational. Right. But yeah, like it, I I think people really they're genuinely curious and. They also want to know that, like, you know, that they're improving society. Like, I just did one for Go Green Radio, which should come out on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll post it to Facebook and everything. But the, um, she just, she was genuinely, um, like, I guess, empathetic with the, the plight of people that work in grocery stores and the supply chain. All yes. the things that are scary about, you know, March of last year. So, so far, so good, man. So far, so good. Good. Well, here, here you go. You got a sell during the chat. 
SFRC, uh, SFRC one, two, three, four says you talking about the book just made me buy it. I look forward yeah. to reading it. It sounds like a good read. There you go. Good. You're doing our part. Yeah. Irish, what you got? All right. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, yeah, there's there's obviously, in the news, there's talk about the amount of uh, what's so-called worker shortage. Um, now, we all have our opinion on what that is here. How much of that do you think is down to the issues raised in your book, uh, which would be like the treatment of the general public towards ordinary retail workers and how much of it do you think is just wages that people are just they're they're just burnt out now i know it's a mixture of both i'm just curious what you think um so like the 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 shortage on workers for like yeah for i guess for retail jobs things like that um i'd probably say it's wages a little bit more i mean also like having to work weekends and Mm. like the schedule in of itself this is not something a lot of people, I guess, maybe more in the middle of their life would want to do. Um, if you have other options, a lot of people would rather do that. Um, the like, that's kind of what got me. I was like, I got to get the hell out of here because mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to be able to spend time with my friends. And it was completely antithetical to everything else that they were doing. Uh, wages, probably. But like, so as I was leaving the grocery store, um, I was a manager and I was making like 20 bucks an hour or something being way overworked for 20 bucks an hour. Um, hold up, hiring. hold up, hold up. Say that one more time. How much were you making an hour? $20 an hour. Now, were you a, a department manager or were you a like assistant customer service or like store manager? So you have to remember where I live. For one. I, I, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Cost of living. Um, there isn't anything in Denver for less than like 1100 $1, $1,200 a month Jesus. for rent. So like right now, I have like the cheapest apartment. It's right around there. It's at like about 1100 So like, it, I mean, you're scraping by on 20 bucks an hour. Um, right. The uh, I was, so I was called the Fresh Pack Supervisor. So I wrote production and managed the Basically, the entire closing of the department, the um, like the prepared foods area. Now, it's prepared foods. Is that like like deli? Um, yeah. So they, I was in a. Uh, there was like pizza. There okay. was a gotcha. chef's case. Um, an open grill. It was basically a restaurant inside of the store. Uh, so I was kind of managing the restaurant basically to close at night. That makes sense. Yeah. Got you. So, and yeah, the, um, I know 20 bucks an hour sounds like a lot and, and I'm sure it is in other places, but it really wasn't much of anything for me in Denver. Um, but the, uh, like people, as I was leaving, people were getting hired straight up as employees at that amount. Mm-hmm. So, and I worked, I, I mean, I had to manage everything, did the right production, and he had to close down the store. We were the last people always out. I was pretty much out at like 11 every day. That sucks. Um, yeah, it was horrible, dude. Like, the only thing that was beneficial, though, was that I started at, you know, like two in the afternoon, but then had all that time in the morning to write. Right. Uh, 
in a way that was pretty beneficial. But my schedule was never set. Like I would, I never really had like set days off or anything like that. And I just got I got worn down on that all. So that I I don't think there's a lot of appeal for people to work in grocery stores. And I don't know how I don't know how you would like draw them in more. More pay would be good, but mm-hmm. it's it's tough work too. Once you start doing it, you're like, man, this is not nearly as easy as I thought it would be. Like the cashier was, I, I thought of it as it was going to be fun. And it seemed pretty fun at first. Like it was mainly just, you just brush off the, the windows and the daves and you just got to bullshit all the time, but and work part time. But, um, like in the end, like real, like the real work that goes on, like you work overnights, you do all sorts of shit. So I, I that was a long meandering answer to that question. And I hope I answered it. Well, 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 you know, you bring up a good point because I have a saying and I've had this saying since I was 18 years old. And that is, if you can survive the grocery business, you can survive anything retail throws at you. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a true statement because there is no harder business to work in than the grocery business. Because that is, if you want to talk about something that is um, an essential business, I mean, truly. And take COVID out of it. A business that has to exist is grocery, and the demands are hard. I remember when I first started working grocery, I was 18 years old, and I wound up on the stock crew, and I worked first shift, second shift, third shift every week. There was no rhyme or reason to it. I remember being a, a healthy, athletic, young, 20 years old, and sleeping for 24 straight hours after a week. And, and people don't understand how grueling the grocery business can actually be. And and that's another reason why I love your book, because I started in grocery. I mean, my, my first five to six working years were in the grocery business. I started as a bag boy, moved up, and, and, you know, did the thing. And I don't think the general public really understands how grocery really really works i mean it's it's difficult it's hard and you working two to eleven man those shifts suck because what happens is you're cleaning up after people that cut out at four or five o'clock yeah you You don't have an escape you you like you no one's coming to relieve you no it's all you yeah and people call out and you're down to i don't know half staff basically yeah and you you got to manage your way through the night and get everything to look spick and span by the time you leave, plus everything else. And yeah, it, it, it shit, dude, it wore me thin. It wore me so thin. And I was it, like, it does. I mean, yeah. you're right. Um, going to the chat, uh, Iron Maiden says, Has anyone at your old store read the book? Yeah, a lot of people bought the book right away. Um, there's a few people that are in there, like, even pretty much by name. Um, right. They're all, all the characters are based, except for Leela. Leela is kind of a culmination of a few different women that I've, I worked with. Right. Um, but like Neil and um, Mary, those are real people. Um, really, really good people. Fucking awesome people. Um, they, do they like it? Do they think it's cool? Yeah. <laughs> Mary awesome. really loves the book a lot. Oh, um, good for Mary. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. 
All right, Sean says, I honestly believe that COVID shook people to their core and got people thinking deeper about what's important. Is that minimum wage job where you're working two jobs, 60 hours a week with no benefits really worth risking your life for, missing family time, etc.? Was there, there a question in there? Is that, that was the question. Was, oh, sorry. Yeah. Is that minimum wage job where you're working two jobs, 60 hours a week with no benefits, really worth risking your life and family time, et cetera? You know, from a grocery business standpoint, I mean, you know, you, you don't have kids, right, Adam? No, no. Yeah, so, and, and you live in a very high dollar area so even though like i said you know when you brought up you made 20 dollars an hour that doesn't really mean shit and blame tag he's in florida and he's like same thing you know 20 dollars an hour you're scraping by yeah it was it, i like i made enough to pay my rent and then so like i was almost lucky that everything was shut down and there was nothing to do so um it was yeah, it's rough, and it like it doesn't feel worth it if there's the risk there. A lot of people did quit, you know. It's like a lot of for me too, and a lot of other folks. It's in between job, and, right? You know, it's it's not a career choice. Per se. Oh, this is actually kind of a funny one, and I've experienced this in my past. Proto Rage X says, "Yeah, I can respect that." An old friend worked produce, and they worked him hard. And the random danger of a surprise big spotter hidden in the banana shipment. <laughs> so, so did you have any like unexpected critters in your shipments, Adam? No, no nothing that I knew of. Um, people said they saw rats at night occasionally. Well, so yeah, like mice. I, you can see mice running around downstairs. Funny um, story. Funny story. So we were talking about grocery business. Um, when I first started with the company, you know, when I first started in grocery and rats, you, you've heard of the stories, correct? And we had grocery stores are going to get rats. It just happens. I mean, people don't need to freak out and be like, oh, they're unsanitary or whatnot. There's a bunch of food in those buildings. You're going to get rats. They're going to find it. We had a rat. Um, name and someone named it. His name was Jojo. <laughs> and Jojo would go out and sit on this little divider wall at night when the third shift trucks came in, and Jojo would sit there and watch us unload trucks. Oh my god. And Jojo was about as big as my twenty pound cat. He was huge. Oh <laughs> and god. when you work grocery, did you ever run a floor machine or anything, Adam? Like like a, a floor cleaner? Uh, no. They had a staff to do that. Yeah. So at one point in time, part of my job was I had to run the floor machine. I had to go around the store and clean the store, you know, with this big Zamboni kind of thing that scrubbed and there was water. And I every morning you had to kind of clean the squeegee and whatnot. And I'll never forget, I reached down to clean the squeegee and this rodent ran out that was like the size of a small horse. It was terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you're lucky. You never got to experience that. Yeah, nothing nothing crazy like that happened. Well, that's good. Um, 
it's just, it, blame takes us down in Florida. We don't have Dave and Linda. We have Rhett and Trisha. There you go. <laughs> wow. Um, I can see them now. Uh, let's see. Uh, Maiden says, what was it like when things get recalled? I can only imagine the scrambling would happen to pull products. Did you have any kind of recall situation during the, the COVID thing while you were there? No, no, we didn't have any. Well, did we? Maybe I blocked that out because it was so bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so possible. Um, yeah, not that I can think of. We... So we like we were constant. The, the store I was at was so busy, um, right? One of the, I think the second busiest in the region, and the region has like forty stores. Wow, uh, super super busy, and so I would write production for like you know the fresh pack stuff, which is a lot of what people buy at lunch, um, like sandwiches. We did pre made sandwiches and all that stuff, right? And it's, I mean, it was half empty all the time. This is like even after everything got more normalized and stuff, it was impossible to keep up. And then, damn, you're like, oh, this is just like, and that was my, you know, I, I take pride in my work. So you'd see this wall that you could just never catch up on. It was like a nightmare. But, yeah. It's kind of like, I was, go ahead. I knew I had to start getting out of there um, when I started dreaming about work because that was the <laughs> whole reason that I like, quit my old job was I didn't want to be consumed by this. That's not what I'm doing to live. You know, like it's just pay. It's just for pay. And yeah, once, once I started dreaming about work, I'm like, okay, I got to figure out a plan. Well, you know, funny story. I dreamt about work last night. I don't know why I woke up this morning. I'm like, what the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) And blame takes his work. Dreams are the fucking worst. They are. I was like, I woke up this morning. I had a great night's sleep and I woke up. I'm like, it's not that serious. I mean, I'm doing something. Sure. I've got a job, but I'm, I don't carry keys and I don't jingle when I walk. I'm like, my stuff's pretty basic. Why am I dreaming about this? It was crazy. Iris, what you got? Well, I'm just curious, as, as you know, I'm across the water, so um, I, I'm just trying to get my head around. You, you drew inspiration from your book, obviously from real customers as well. Can you paint a picture for me of like what 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 was a typical problematic customer? Were they were they all the same cohort? What, did they were they very diverse? Did it come like was it from every class, creed, and color, or was it you know is, is there a core? kind of group that just over represents problematic customers um so the store that i I worked at was a high-end grocery store so Mm -hmm. it was and it's one of the the nicer neighborhoods in denver it's old money Mm. for sure um so i like it definitely felt like it's more of a class thing Mm. Uh, race creed color all that stuff really didn't matter it would like you get a variety of different folks but, you know, they're like a lot of, you know, I don't know, really nice purses and stuff and very, um, like stay at home moms, I think would be mm. like one of the more typical ones, at least for that store. Um, the kind of people that don't take care of their own kids, um, <laughs> oh. you know, yeah. nannies surprise, and surprise. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where they, they don't like, they don't understand because maybe they never had to deal with something like that, or they haven't in so long that it just becomes like some sort of distant memory. Um, 
that, yeah, that was the interesting thing when everything started melting down. You know, you had these all these like people that really never had been backed into a corner struggled. Mm, yeah. Um, just getting like they want they had their comforts, you know, like people get their their level of comfort, whatever it is. They they like their uh, fancy cheese that we just didn't have, and it would be very upsetting. Like, oh my god, you know, like, I why why don't you guys have this? It's like I don't know, bitch. Like, what the fuck? Like the <laughs> sorry, I don't know if I should swear so much, but the um you swear as much as you want. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it. I think it's that it's the, the entitled nature. Um, like you. Even with the pandemic going on and the, the shells look like dystopian, empty, because we're st- still trying to catch up and you, you still have the expectations that we should have your artisanal bread, whatever. You know, yeah. it's, it's that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I could just, just chime in just because the majority of you, all but one, I think, uh, in, in the chat probably wouldn't be familiar with the. Uh, it in Ireland, essentially, a lot of what you just said there would would run over here as well. So we 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 have um, it, kind of two ends of the spectrum. One, just like you uh, pointed out there, people who are more or less privileged, I suppose. They never worked retail, never even had to contemplate working retail, and they have this superiority complex that you're, you know, just a piece of whatever that needs to, you know, uh, bend their will. Uh, At the other end of the spectrum, uh, they would be the kind of, the the customers most likely to steal something and punch you in the face. They're just the the kind of, um, it's just the other end of the spectrum in in, in the sense that they're... um, they're the most volatile, I suppose. If they came in without a mask, they'd be the first ones to start screaming and shouting at you. Not because they're privileged that they don't have to wear a mask, because you know you can't tell them what to do. It's attitude, you know. But the but the vast vast majority of customers are actually okay. But those mm-hmm. kind of two extremes make it so difficult. Uh, and 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 people that have not worked retail do not realize, you know, you can't just shut them out. You know, I mean, they, there's such a volume of them coming through the stores. That you know, it's it's you can't filter them. It's too late. They're already in by the time you realize they're problematic. Yeah, you, you definitely can't. It's your job to take it on the chin, basically. You yeah. know, it's it's part of you know those people that I don't, it's, they're looking for someone to take it out on. You know, whatever's miserable in their life. Um, like the, one of the stories I relate in the book about the the woman who, you know, <laughs> I. It's double bagging. Um, we couldn't double bag at the time because we were running out of bags. We were so busy. And, um, well, she didn't like that. And she just starts grabbing shit off the conveyor belt and, like, pays, like jams the cart in the, the slot and, like, throws everything in her cart, misses some stuff on the floor, and just storms out. And as she's storming out, she, like, looks back at me, licks her hand, and slaps the, the counter. And I don't know what she said right before then, but um, like she was obviously there was shit going on in her life. You know, she was miserable at home, mm. um, trapped with people. Maybe she didn't, her husband, she doesn't love anymore or something. I don't know. I'm a writer, so I get those stories in my head. But for the kids that don't care about her, um, all of it came crashing down. And she decided that 
this was the appropriate time. And like, I'm free to just be a complete asshole because, well, you guys have to take it. Yeah, retail invites that uh, that, that that therapy for them. I agree. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're going to spend the last few minutes here. Strictly strat, uh, chat questions. So shoot them off. All right. So um, let's see. What do we got here? SRFC1234 asks, Adam, did you ever experience in person people fighting over toilet paper at the start of the pandemic? Um, no toilet paper. Well, so the store that I, I worked at, they don't have much. It's, they don't have a lot of paper products in general. Right. Um, where like, you know, at a, a Kroger or something, it's like the entire, like an entire row or aisle. Right. Well, they didn't really have much of that at all. So that was just gone. Um, there was a lot of people like walking way around each other. Um, there's a lot of hostility about being too close. Mm-hmm. Even if they weren't too close, it was just this, you know, tension that just kept bubbling up to the surface. So those are the those are the major fighting sort of things that I saw. No toilet paper though. Gotcha. Uh, just a comment. A squid puppy says, "Wealthy stay-at-home moms are so out of touch." Yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, um, Iron Maiden says, "Sorry, no gorgonzola today." <laughs> The blue cheese isn't blue enough, says Blame Tag. Uh, Blame Tag also says they can't be arsed, as you say, across the pond. That's for you, Irish. Um, Retail Queen says one of the mandatory training videos in my store is dealing with escalated customers. Russell says, surprisingly, myself, can amend, I hope. The tree, the Dollar Tree at Cherrydale was much the same way, vast broadness of classes yet still same outcome for people being bitchy. And he's correct. It was interesting because it there wasn't a dollar amount. It wasn't a class thing. It was like if you ranked people by the money they made and the status they had, we had an equal bit of, I guess, for lack of a better term, Karen's for every segment it had nothing to do with you know they they felt they were more important or whatnot it was just all across the board and 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 the way we were treated was you know we sucked so yep um squid puppy says people who lick their palms in grocery stores don't love anything <laughs> i can agree with that um yeah hero says people who bite produce to quote unquote C are the devil. Yep. Oh, so, uh, what do you guys got? You got anything else? You got any more questions for Adam? Let's hear it. Let's go. Typically, this is the point, Adam, where our chat descends into chaos. And it's always fun when it does because I wind up getting tickled at some of the shit I see, <laughs> just to <laughs> let you know. Um, yeah. Uh, Blame Tag wants to know, I want to know if the I almost said yes lady ever came back. Oh. um, Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, she never came through my line. I never saw her again. She was really, really awesome. She was was a cool person. Yep. I would see a lot of people regularly, but I never saw her. That sucks. That, Uh, That was a great story. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's like fictionalized too. She didn't actually like 
meant to bring out the sweetness. And gotcha. People. Gotcha. Yeah. Hero asks, did your time in grocery change the way you look at people? Hmm. Um, it's a good question. I, I think more than like, cause I'd, I've worked in like customer service or I, my first job was in a grocery store. I worked in as a, um, courtesy clerk for like a year to save up for a car in high school. Um, so I, I think I, I, I knew that before what I had seen, what I saw during my time though was like what fear does to people. Um, yeah. How truly like weak so many people are. I mean, it's just the a lot of things are weak. The supply chain is weak. Everything can fall apart at any moment, really. And um, I think I saw that more than anything was what people's response to fear is and uncertainty. And I didn't want that in myself. I found a different outlet, which was the writing. You know, like the I mainly like. I'd never really had that like real strong sense of fear about the virus, not because like I didn't think it was real or something like that or any of the um, bullshit that a lot of people thought, but the fact that I just knew I could not commit too much mental energy to that. I just couldn't do it. Otherwise I would, I wouldn't get anything done. I like, I just drink whiskey every night all the time and with neighbors and just drink myself into Super or something like getting so anxious and paranoid over it in a different way. But that, that's the that's the main thing that I think I pulled out of it. Gotcha. Uh, Russell asked, is there a lot of difference between Boulder and Denver? Um, Boulder is really like a, it's a unique place. It's a college town. Um, like we call it the People's Republic of Boulder because it like just has its own thing going on it's a beautiful city it's really nice it's super expensive like it, houses up there in the millions a lot of them and then you'd look at the house and you'd be like what <laughs> <laughs> right like how can this be so expensive but it's it's a gorgeous town it's got its own college vibe going on and yeah that's the major difference denver is definitely like a, it's just a it's a big city right going on uh, this is a good question. Um, this is something we've discussed before. It says, going, blame tag says, going back to Warzone Classics, do you believe that the customer worker worker relationship has been forever broken by COVID-19? The customer worker relationship has been broken by COVID-19. Um, and irreparable. Irreparable. I think a lot of things got broken by COVID-19. A lot of people's brains, um, a lot of families, a lot of lives. Um, the relationship between customers and employees, I, yeah, I mean, for the foreseeable future, I wouldn't see like anything getting better on that front. Um, you'd almost have to like get this, this element out, like, Everyone that works in retail right now, they have to like move out and a whole new class of people would have to come in or something to, to like, I don't know, maybe restart that relationship. But right. yeah, I, 
for the foreseeable future, I don't think it gets better. I, I hope it does. I mean, I hope my book changes everyone's hearts and minds and podcasts like this, um, you know, like get out into the zeitgeist and people start to rethink their lives a little bit and how they treat others. But it, really that boils down to thinking you have to look inside first. You know, you have to, to work within your competence and, you know, improve yourself first. And it, like, instead of taking it out on other people. And, right. Um, shit's hard. It but, is. And you, and you make a valid point. I mean, you know, here what we do, we can talk a lot about how shitty we get treated. And it's not about, it's really not about us getting treated bad. It's about trying to get people to change and, and be regular humans like you've touched on. You know, yeah. it's, we're all people. We're, we're, we're all part of the same race. We're all part of the human race. And this entitlement and abusiveness that comes from people because they just walk in the store and see somebody with a name tag, they automatically think that they're lesser. It's a problem, you know? I mean, people come in where I work and they see me and they ask me questions. They don't know what my career has been. They don't know what I've done. They don't understand that underneath what they see. I've had a pretty stellar career and I have nothing to prove to anybody. You know, and it's, but just because you're in a certain position, you're lesser. So, but what we're going to do here, um, we're at, we're right at an hour, Irish connection. You get the last question of the night. Okay. Um, well, just briefly, I'll just respond to the last question. Um, so in terms of if COVID-19 has broken the, the, the relationship forever, I, I think mostly what COVID-19 has done is, has launched us, uh, re- retail, like into the kind of future where it would have been in, you know, 15 years time in terms yeah. of online shopping, uh, becoming pre- predominant. Um, and, and just getting back on to what Adam had said, uh, before about, you know, you make $20 an hour, but then the cost of living just eats that. So, most of people working retail are experiencing that. And now they, we, there's a kind of an acknowledgement that the money isn't worth it. So second to that, you look at work-life balance and then that's fucked as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I told Steve before we came on, like I spoke to a manager in a convenience store yesterday, can't hire anyone. Nobody is applying because their convenience store is open from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. And you have to be available within those hours, never have a weekend off, you know, for minim- minimum wage. So, you know, the money is bad, but second to that work-life balance is, I think, during the COVID pandemic became the number one priority for most people because, and that's what, uh, I, I suppose, I, I'll pose that to you as a question. Do you think I'm correct or not? What's your opinion on that? That um, the COVID pandemic was, uh, but wait, so... Could you restate the question again? Sure. The, that, 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 that what, what the pandemic has, has really done has pushed retail into the future to oh, okay. where, where we would have been, you know, where work-life balance just isn't there. Uh, combine that with wages and, and then people, that's why people are not going back. Yeah. I mean, technology definitely will have a huge, huge impact on that. Um, like the, I mean, you, you saw it, I saw it in real time ramp up at our store where they hired on like, I don't know, 30 people that were just shopping for online. Um, 
But yeah, that like, and if it takes away the, eventually they, so that was a gig economy thing at first, which is another kind of you know, way to make side money. And then they, they absorbed that whole department into the store and it became, yeah, like you had to work certain hours. You couldn't just sign up for whatever. And mm-hmm. um, it took away the work-life balance that people wanted to achieve by working um, like a, a store shopper or something like that. Um, yeah, it's that's definitely going to affect it. Um, the... The working odd hours, and I, I think kind of all boils, like a lot of that boils down to what the way that people perceive work and what the the value of what you do. Um, like people think that uh, you, when you, when you, at least in the United States, when you like get a college degree that you're entitled to get some sort of certain amount of money or something like that, or, you know, even if it's in, I don't know, sociology, or something to that effect where it doesn't really have a lot of pragmatic um, uses in society. Like you, you are entitled to like have a job that pays a certain amount as opposed to the value of just doing work in general. Like we need all these people to do work, like to you know, work, work as a meat cutter, work in produce and organize or do a, or buying in a grocery store, stuff like that. And if you're, you're patient with it you can get into that area of the grocery store it's not it's not all being a cashier and just working on the floor there's a lot of it's a whole city of a small town of different elements to get the thing going um people don't think like that though they think very surface oriented they they just see um these like a lot of young younger people you know like fucking around at a cashier or whatever or at the cash register. Um, but you can find a, like a career out of it. You really can. You just have to think more deeply about what it means to work and what goes into the places you can work. And I, I hope that answered what you asked. I think so. And, okay. and you're right. And, and when you break it in the grocery, when you look at like meat department and produce department and frozen food department and dairy department, those are essential jobs, mm-hmm. you know, a period in the story, you know, um, those are the things that people come in and they have to have. And I'm hoping that with your book and I'm hoping with the movements that are going forward, the people understand that, that it's not, it's not an entitlement. They're not entitled to walk into a grocery store and say, I should get this. They should understand that there are people that are making these things happen for them. And unfortunately, in grocery, you're catering to a society of lazy. So if you work in a produce department, someone's going to come in and rather than pay 98 cents for an onion, is going to pay $2.50 for a container that somebody just chopped that same onion up. And, you know, those kind of things, I mean, they look at it as a convenience when in all actuality, I guess most of these people can't use knives. So it is essential because I'm convinced the people that come in grocery stores, they would not survive without them, period. These are not people who could function. They can't even slice an onion. So, I mean, 
yeah, you're, you're right. They, they have, the, the opinion has to change. And you know, it's real easy to yell at cashiers and whatnot because they're there. I mean, they're always, and you're right, 100%. You know, when you, when you venture into a department that's kind of like an essential department, you're different. You're not the cashier that's up front getting berated. But by God, they'll treat you the same damn way. And, and you can't look at them and say, well, I'm sorry, Karen, that you can't use a knife, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. But, you know, you shine the light on it all and I can't wait for, uh, how long do you think it's going to be before the sequel comes out? You think? I'm trying to crank at it. It's, it just takes a long time and I'm busy with like, you know, regular life stuff, like the stuff that pays me more. And right. Like, doing a lot of press. I signed up for another month of the PR stuff. So um, hopefully that'll ramp up a lot. And like, if I can get out of having a job at like a regular job, then I can really focus on it. But you know, I'm like, I'm pretty dedicated to getting it hopefully done. I don't know, early, like spring next year. Can't wait. I'm sure it'll be awesome. If it's anything like the first one, it's going to be great. <laughs> you know where I'll be going first to talk about it too. Thank you. Thank you. We love having you, man. I, I think you're cool as shit. I, I really enjoyed the fact that you came on the first time, and I'm glad that, you know, we talked about this off camera. Blame tag. Here, Here's your shot. This the, this is always your, your shameless plug. What social media community is the best for retail? We've talked about this. Twitter. It's Twitter. It is. And it's great. And I thank all of you guys. And I thank Adam. And and I enjoy watching his journey. I enjoy, you know, he posted on Facebook. He's got uh, a picture of a book and a U.S. mailbag getting ready to go to New York for TV. That's awesome, man. Just just being connected with somebody who's doing something that's progressive for the business is awesome. And, you know, I, I hope he winds up on the New York Times bestseller list because he should. I think the book's fucking great. And I'm not saying that just because he's on the show because I read it and I've worked grocery and I understand and I get it. And just like a bunch of you who've read it and you got triggered, it's real, man. He did a great job. So uh, there it is. Blame tag. The Twitter retail community is the best community on Twitter. Yes, it is. So yeah. guys, we are sitting at an hour and oh eight Irish connection. You got anything you want to add real quick before we get out of here? Just on behalf of Blame Tag, I'd like everyone to share this and uh, tag Scott Sice. Yes, T tag Scott Sice. We are we are on the Scott Sice on the retail war zone thing. Adam, are you familiar with Scott Sice? No. All right. So, well, actually, you are and you don't know it. You've seen the Twitter. I mean, the TikTok videos of the dude with the mustache and the hair who does like to cuss. Yes, that's him. Yeah, yeah. We're after. We're trying to get him on. We. I, I blow up. Twitter every day with some sort of graphic I've done. That's our big thing. So we're trying to get him on. He's he's awesome. But anyway, man, thank you so much for being on again. Um, you know, I, I'm happy to watch your journey. I, I think it's great. I think what you've done is amazing for people that work in the business. And, you know, I don't say that, you know, for any other reason than it's fact. I mean, I like I said, I don't read books. And, you know, I sat down and read yours like, boom. I was like, oh, shit. This is like real. This is like virtual reality, but reading. So you did a great job. So thank you. And well, um, I, I, oh, go, ahead. Go, 
Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I really appreciate this so much, Steve. It's, it's a blast to talk to you. Um, I'm, I love how everyone's connected. This is the same sort of thing that happened with the Facebook group. You know, it's like people all connecting together and sharing their stories. And it's kind of like the best part of the internet. You know, it is. Like the, the really good stuff is finding human connection. And I love being on the show. I'll definitely come on anytime you want me to. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, bud. Well, just to let you know, September 29th is our current date. We're going to have a free for all. I'm going to try to get as many people on camera and on audio as we can. Uh, I, I recently realized that we can have up to 50 people on Skype at one time. Wow. And, it, and it's not going to be any kind of topic. We're just going to sit and bitch. So if you want to come on, just let me know and, and we'll throw you in there. So it's going to be fun. And we're also, right. we're also doing um, in October the Worst Manager Lifetime Achievement Awards. So check that out. <laughs> okay <laughs> this is gonna be great but anyway guys thank you everybody for watching tonight um make sure you like the stream if you're on fate on uh youtube it helps us out a great bit it helps us get an algorithm doesn't make anybody any money it just gets us out there more so people can see what we're doing um and everybody have a great night uh once again adam thank you for being on irish thank you for being on and next week i'm not real sure what we're doing but I'll let you know real soon. So everybody have a great night and we'll see you next time. Bye everybody.